You're listening to This Week in E-Commerce, the Ecom Nation podcast. Dive into the top online retail headlines with your hosts, Paul Waddy and Mal Chia. Let's load up the cart. This Week in E-Commerce, episode 15. I am Mal Chia and with me is Paul Waddy. Paul, how are you? Good, good. How are you, Mal? How's your, um, how's your week been? The week's been good. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of Black Friday sales kicking off, um, which has been great. So, so glad to see a, a bunch of the brands I work with doing extremely well on their Black Friday, um, which is, uh, which is always good. It's kind of nice going into like the first weekend of sales, not too stressed about anything. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's been good, hasn't it? A lot of e-com nation clients doing really well. There's a lot of, a lot of, um, day ones around the half a million or more mark, which is huge money. Um, huge money for, you know, 24 hours, isn't it? Mm, certainly is. Certainly is. Well, we, we, we had one actually do like almost 3 million on their day one. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so some good news all around. And luckily, uh, I, I had, a, I caught up with a few of these brands today and several of them were glad to report that they did this on a pretty good gross margin. I'm hearing that too. They, they must be listening and pulling back marketing spend a little bit, which is, I think, something we talked about a lot. Um, mm. But also discounting, yeah. having a smart discounting strategy, not just going in all guns blazing, 50% off everything, but actually going like, hey, maybe this is 10, maybe that's 20, maybe that's 40. Yeah. Oh, we've had this one for ages. We'll okay. make that 70. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you should do it. You just go through, check your inventory, check your grade ABC. So I agree. I, I, um, I love that retailers are actually even just talking about margins and profits at this time so um yeah that's good mm. i feel i feel i feel like we're preaching a good message it is it is i had a really good chat with hugh from wayflyer the other day um just having a talk about you know what he's been hearing in market and things which uh, he was talking about and then he showed me a, a a black friday discount calculator which which was that a paul waddy creation 100 yeah, that was that's um <laughs> old jack, old jack if you're listening jack's jack's posted that and done a Better job than I, I did, actually. He's put it together really nicely. But um seen that and it, it's it's really good, isn't it? Just to be like, yeah, so if you discount this much, the the 60% or whatever, you're going to lose this much money. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I saw that. I was like, I've seen that. I was like, why why is Paul not getting any credit here? So, so Hugh, yeah. if, you, if you listen to this, Got to give them, got to, got to give the, the big give show a, some credit. Give a brother a shout out, Hugh, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, I see you've been relegated out to the, uh, the, the, the backyard, the patio again. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out back, Mal. I've got the kids all running a muck inside, and the um, I, you know, it's Friday afternoon. I didn't want to climb into the down the ladder into the man cave, so uh, <laughs> outside with the dog. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, we are going to get straight into it. We've got a big show. We are going to be talking a little bit later about ChatGPT and uh, and their release of the custom GPTs, which I know we are very excited about. We're also going to talk a little bit about Global Fashion Group, aka the Iconics um, parent company. But first of all, we're going to give a shout out to our good friend, Julie Mathers, and Flora and Fauna, who have reopened their doors, so to speak, this week. Yeah, great news. Well done, Julie. Um, you've got your hands full. I think I said that to you last time I saw you. you. You must be a glutton for punishment and to open during the busiest month of the year, no less. So really good news to see Flora and Fauna back where it belongs. And I've got no doubt... Um, you know, it's funny, uh, your second stab at things is often better than your first. And I've got no doubt that Flora and Fauna will be back better, uh, bigger and better than ever. Um, and Julie's obviously got Snuggle Honey as well, so lots of experience to draw upon. And it's really exciting. It's good to see. Yeah, I think like you say, when you when you can come back, when you can stop and reflect on things 
and then you want to go back to it, you've hopefully learned a few things and you're looking at this going like, okay, I've got some fresh ideas. Um, so I'm really hoping, I was talking to Julie the other day and she seemed very excited about the fact that they were reopening again um, and, and what this new beginning would bring. So I'm excited for her um, because it's a different market as well, you know, to reopen in this climate versus, you know, pre-pandemic or maybe start of the pandemic when, um, when, when she sold to BWX. Uh, it's a different climate. So seeing what it's going to be like now in this new iteration, um, it's it's really exciting. And to be able to bring some of that extra learning from, from Snuggle Honey, um, but also seeing where the market's at in terms of sustainability as well. You know, have we actually moved forward? Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a, a an interesting test. I think um I think that they've definitely got a market and there's some other other factors I think I don't think it was demand that, that caused BWX to Get that get that one wrong. I think it was we've spoken about. It. I, I stand did. by the fact that it's mismanagement. Um, so I think the brand's strong and there's a there's a demand and their revenue was was good. So I can't see why it won't do well. And and I think it's that sort of thing as well. You know, um, whenever I meet someone who's in business, I often ask like, "What was your first business?" Because there's usually one that failed, mm. um, or there's often one that failed before the success. And Julie's got this rare opportunity where um, she's having a second stab at thing, which I reckon will definitely be better than the first and she was also paid a fortune for the first <laughs> so that's not too bad julie well done <laughs> absolutely and we're going to be talking now about global fashion group which is the iconics parent company now global fashion group has reported a lower than expected sales across their three international markets in the second quarter of 2023 so that includes defeaty in Latin America, Zalora in Southeast Asia, and also the Iconic, which we would all know about. They've reported uh, across the group 19% decline in net merchandise value, um, including 9% decline in, in Australia. My wife's just walked in and not that's realizing that I'm recording, but that's okay. That's like, <laughs> so they represent a 9% decline. That's why people love the podcast, Mal. That, that's it. We're, we're keeping it real. We're keeping it real. Like, you know, not, not often, like pretty much every day, there, there'll be a call when my, yeah. my four-year-old will jump on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they've reported a 19% revenue loss um, across all their regions, which is pretty substantial. Uh, and leading into next year, I don't think they're, and I believe they're going to be, um, they're, 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 they're anticipating even further losses across the yeah. business. I've been waiting for this. Like we did a we did a podcast, I think, at the start of the year with some predictions and so on. And I don't think we might have named names, but I, I got to be honest with you, like one of the ones that I was thinking of that would have a bit of bad news was the Iconic. Um, we know that there was a little bit of movement at the top, which is always a bit, you know, um, I think Erica moved on and you always kind of worry, wonder what's happening there. Um, and they just, they sacked a lot of people at one stage, if you remember. And so mm -hmm. for me, there was, I was like, okay, you know, growing profitable companies don't usually do that. Um, that's not a slight on them. Like it's been really hard conditions and they're in a real, you know, they're in fashion. That's a really competitive space. I think, um, I'll be honest, like I've found myself shopping less there. Um, I don't know why I think I'll be honest with you. I, I I'm not shopping less than I was, but I'm choosing elsewhere. Um, I think they were a pretty early adopter in, in Australia in terms of like really huge range and big, um, big good logistics offering. That's kind of become the norm now a little bit, the logistics side of things. You can get a really good logistics offering at a lot of businesses. And um, I'm kind of interested in discovering new brands at the moment, whereas I actually feel that they've got every brand. That's obviously only my personal 
reason, and that's not I'm a sample size of one. But I, I kind of feel like in the pub test that they've dropped off relevance a little bit, and I think we're seeing that in the in the the, the twenty percent decline in orders. I'm just mm. hearing about I'm hearing about them less, yeah. so I'm not really surprised. Look, and I think they have been discounting. Like they are the leaders in terms of discounting, one of the leaders anyway. And I think this year in particular, like many retailers, they've had to discount a lot, which has affected their ability to bring in newness into it. And as we know with fashion, newness is critical. You need to be always bringing in new brands, new looks and things like that. But if you don't have the capital to be able to bring that in because you're always having to clear aged inventory, you're kind of stuck in the hamster wheel in that regard. Yeah, but we, I also think they also goes to also that also goes to the heart of the problem with the iconic, in that they are a debt leveraged business. Hmm. Like in the time which they've been operating in Australia, they have never turned a profit. Hmm. There's only been one quarter where they've said they were going to turn a profit, and they end up revising that to say that they weren't going to turn a profit. So this business has been around for over a decade in Australia and has never been profitable. And considering the size they are as well, and this current economic climate with rising interest rates and things like that. It puts a strain in your business, in your ability to actually, A, first of all, access capital, and B, being able to then reinvest that capital into growth, like new products. Yeah. There was someone last week that we were talking about, might have been similar, but um, yeah, I think you're we're right. We were talking about like, Culture Kings last week. Yeah, Culture Kings mm. and some of these real big ones who are just, yeah, exactly, they're discounting and then margins are affected. But you're right. So if they've been around 10 years, they've never turned a profit, that means there's no dividends for for the owners, um, that means that they're having to put more money in, essentially means they have to put more money in each year to keep going, um, not to grow, to keep going. And what's the end game there? So the end game is to, to sell it to someone else. Hmm. And and that happens a lot and it's still, a, it's, it's obviously like happens in the big end of town and they'll probably still sell and make lots of money, I guess, when they sell it. But it's it's not the way we should be thinking, I don't think. We should always be thinking about running good profitable business which always sell for more anyway so it's this idea that you hold on for an exit and again they'll probably get this they've got to sell it at some point otherwise where where's the liquidity event but for us and the clients we work with that's just not a viable option you've you've just got to you've just got to be profitable i don't, I don't know what else there is to it like who wants a business what you're pouring your heart and soul into and then every month, every year, you got to tip more money into it, not pull money out, tip more in. Hmm. I, I don't understand when that's ever been considered good business. But well, I go back about five, six years ago, and especially if you look at tech, like the iconic followed a tech model of running a business, which was to get really big, really fast, and establish a dominant position, and then think about making a profit. Same as Google, same as you know Uber, where I spent three years of my life. So Uber all that time was about how do we get ridiculously big and let's spend to get there. Um, I think Uber has spent about $32 billion and has only just recently been barely, barely profitable. But the whole business model was to just get really big, establish that market position. And Uber, in many respects, has done that. They've become part of the fabric of various cities. I know I use Uber for Uber Eats and transport all the time. I'm using Uber at least three, four, five times a week at an absolute yeah. minimum. Yeah. But you think about fashion, you can't do that in, in, in a retail business mm. because you, you, can't, you, don't, you can't build moats like you can like an Uber, where Uber has a moat because they've got all the supply of cars, they've got the app, they've got all, all the restaurants on there, whereas the Iconic don't. 
you know, brands like the Iconic, yes, they can get really big, but you can also just substitute them for someone else. It's really hard to build them out, particularly when you're not bringing that newness. Yeah, you're right. Uber's a unicorn, you know. Uber's just one of those ones that could lose money and still accrue in value. But the the Iconic, you just don't want them to be the David Jones of online retail, you know, like a great fashion destination that's worth nothing. Mm. Um, or, you know, has to, it's just, um, it's... Yeah, anyway, I think we sort of foresaw this, not, not because they're a poorly run company or anything. I mean, I've been a customer for years, but it's it's a really hard time. You can see they're in the discounting cycle. And I think, you know, come back to this discounting thing, like no one really wants to discount. You kind of, you do it because you have to. You're not, you, you know, some do it twice a year, whatever, that's fine, clear old inventory. But when you're always on site, you're doing it because you have to, which means that there's a cash flow problem. So I think. Um, Basically, I would make the call that any business who's discounting every two or three months is worth, is worth nothing. Mm. That they are on the ropes. So um, anyway, it's a shame. Like, uh, well, it's not a shame. They're still going, but it's just dis- <laughs> it's disappointing. Um, disappointing to see them not doing. They, they are still gigantic. Like, don't don't get us wrong. They are still absolutely gigantic. When it comes to fashion, there's still billions. Yeah, like, of I'm not about to send there. them five dollars or you know, <laughs> like a, a frozen meal. But you know, nonetheless, like, could the news is not positive no no which brings us to our final story and our big story and one i'm very very excited about which our good friend chat gpt which we've been using for quite a while and is now i'm using in every single part of my life whether it be choosing what meals i'm going to cook for my family tonight to planning out my schedule going to a heavy metal festival tomorrow <laughs> i'm using chat gpt for everything and this week they announced the release of custom gpts which gives every single chat GPT plus an enterprise user the ability to create their own GPT and train it in however they want. Now, I think this is incredibly exciting because this unlocks so many opportunities for internal teams, for any business. We just speak to e-commerce founders in particular. E-commerce founders can potentially have access to a GPT, which answers any of their questions about, let's say, paid media. You can now train a GPT about how to run ads. You can just put your question into there and it'll tell you what to do. So I'm very excited about this, Paul. I think this could be very revolutionary. I think a lot of people are probably going to be a bit threatened by it, but I think this is uh, going to be a real game changer in terms of kind of unlocking a lot of potential in, in the world, in a, lot, in, in a lot of people. It's sort of like the mind boggles as to you could you, you could almost use it in any business in any in in any scenario, and I think you know where yeah we're using this a lot um, ChatGPT and now creating your own GPTs is something we're going to dive further into, but I, I think this is a genuine game changer like this is genuine AI that can be used by just about every company on the planet at some point. Um, whether it's improving your support, whether it's, you know, in, in, an internal assistant, whether it's your own sidekick, you know, Shopify's got Shopify sidekick. It's basically that. It's like, cool, how do I do this? And obviously you've got to, um, whoever's building the GPT still has to be absolute gun in their field and the inputs, you know, garbage in, garbage out. But this is an absolute monster. And I'm really excited to see how people use this and they've made it so accessible and so easy um so it's really <clears throat> i mean we're using it heaps i'm using it like for my content plan personally and scraping data from other people and putting it into chat gpt it's just every day i'm fine or every week i'm finding a new way to use it 
and these GPTs are going to be um, going to be big, I think. It feels very much like Apple's App Store, or like the early days of that, where this is what ChatGPT, OpenAI are creating. They're effectively going to be creating the App Store for apps. Sorry, sorry yeah. the App Store for AIs. Um, and there's no better place to be. There's no better place to be than to own the, the, the platform, you know, to own the pipes than, mm. than what they're doing now. Uh, and as AI becomes more and more prevalent, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what other AIs get released. And there's already more and more and just random ones about you know, like predicting the weather and how to write. Like copywriting, I think, is, is something which is, yeah. is, is going out the window already. Yeah. Um, sorry for anyone looking to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a new Yeah, I would have yeah. used it to write my book. <laughs> But you're looking at all this, and I was, I was speaking, speaking with a copywriter the other day who was saying that you know her business is down about 60 to 75% in the last six nine to nine months because more and more people are just going to chat GPT. They don't need a copywriter to write an email anymore. They just need like this, that these are my emails which have performed previously. I'm just going to put it in there. So I think for someone like that, the opportunity then becomes to, okay, well, how do I write? Yeah. An AI. How do I That's write it. a GPT yeah. to exactly. talk in a certain tone of voice, to write emails in a certain way, to prompt you with, okay, I want to write an email to sell my new activewear collection for Black Friday. Right. Tell me about the collection. Like what's special about it? What's the price point? Who's the target market? And taking all these inputs that you're providing it. And then you've already pre-trained that GPT to then be able to spit out, great, here's your product description. Here's your email. Here's your this. Here's your that. And just kind of doing everything for you. That's a great idea. And that's how she can use it. Like, yes, yes, there's plenty of copy available, but it's not all good copy on hmm. ChatGPT. So that's somebody who has the opportunity to find that niche, maybe build her own GPT as the, as you know, the e-com copy or the, the women's apparel copy GPT or whatever it might be and train the GPT in your art, in your skill. And I think this is how people have to start using it. Whatever your skill set is, apply. Don't, don't, you're not replaced by ChatGPT. Work with ChatGPT to make your own uh, GPT or your own uh, content that still has your expertise. Hmm. So I think, it's, um, I think it's only a good thing. Like I, I think the smart people are going to absolutely kill it with ChatGPT, smart yeah. businesses. <clears throat> I'm also really excited about the internal applications for this as well like internally within an organization to be able to have like let's say the ecom nation gpt you know or yeah. the you know or or, or or the udi gpt or any other brand their own private gpt which they use internally to this is our way of doing things so you can have your team going in there asking any questions and bang straight away this is how we would do things and you think about you know one of the issues with organizations particularly as they get big is that the further the bigger an organization gets the further away from the center you get the the more your culture gets diluted if you suddenly have this always on 24 7 gpt which is just like the keeper of the culture and you have a question you run it past that you can think how things can just be like normalized and democratized a lot better than they are as uh, as, as 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 organizations get large what, what, what's that movie where the guy falls in love with the robot? Uh, anyway, me is it called me? Anyway, yeah, he falls in love. Oh, with, he, he falls in love with the uh, with the AI. With, with the AI, yeah. With, yeah, with yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can't that's... remember what it was. Yes, yeah, yeah I've seen it. Yeah, yeah or something like that. But that's kind of yeah, that's kind of AI with personality. And I think um, like yeah, using it internally. Like imagine the imagine using that for your onboarding process. Like a, an employee is in. That doesn't want to always ask questions. They can always just ask ChatGPT, "Hey, what day do we get paid?" Or, you know, who's who's our super fund with, or whatever it might be. I think companies can absolutely, um, like as I said before, I think 
just about every company on the planet can find a use for ChatGPT. Mm, absolutely. And I think uh, it's, it's, it's a good time to start thinking about it in terms of your organization, how you could be using AI better if you're not already are. And I, I'd, I would assume that you would be dabbling a little bit with it. But what are the opportunities now to be able to create your own custom GPT and have something which is shared amongst your organization as well? Yeah, I was so talking that's, with Gina um, you know who would like yep. that now is um, remember, um, I don't know if we'll have to send this to him, um, Adam from Budgie Swagger, who was saying, yep. oh, I, can, I won't be able to chat. Um, train chat gpt to talk like me well now you can <laughs> you'll be able to build an, an adam got imagine this an adam from budgie smuggler gpt to stick on their website and talk to the customers the way adam would literally yeah, that, that'll be great you put the yeah. whole big book of budgie in there big book of budgie imagine that yeah <laughs> but also a way to engage with customers well imagine that like you know do you want to like the rock gpt like the rock could create his own GPT and you just talk to it and it will respond to you like how the rock would respond Very to you. Cool. But you can think of like any brand, any brand, there's an opportunity there to you to create something which to engage with your customers. So they can, they, they can connect with the brand. They can talk to you like the brand, the, G, the, the Jake Paco. How long before GPT. you get the image then where the image is the, yeah, the Jake Paco. How long before you get the Jake Paco there and the mouth's moving while, the, while, while it's responding? How long? I, I reckon six months. I reckon less than six months it'll be there. We'll be redundant, Mal. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. I actually found the other day, um, this morning actually, uh, a golf apparel brand. Um, I, I can't remember what they were called. But when I looked at their site, it was all generated through AI. Like all their designs, all the models. I was looking at everything going, this is too perfect. And I just looked really close and went, this is AI. Every single thing wow. they've created is AI. And I looked and it was actually kind of legit because they had photos on their Instagram where they were clearly releasing product. But they're doing it all through AI. They're just getting AI to generate what the styles are going to be, getting it manufactured in really, really short runs of like 300 or less, selling them, and then doing it again the next month. Wow, that's clever. Yeah. Something still feels a bit off about that. Definitely does. I wonder if it's working for them. Mm, I'd love to find out a bit more. So I might reach out to that brand and report back to you. Um, but I think, you know, there's so many opportunities now just in terms of like, how do you use it, you know, with, within your business? Um, but also to help engage with the customers. I love that idea of having a, you know, a, a, an Adam or a, an Adam or a Jake GPT. Love it. <laughs> to have your, to have your heart, heart, sorry, diehard fans go in there and just, just have a chat with you. That's so weird, but kind of cool. Yeah. Only for the diehards. Now that note, Paul, we're going to keep this nice, short, sharp, and shiny today. That's all we have time for. Anything for our listeners to keep their ears to the ground for? No, I hope everyone's um, – yeah, well, I just echo what we said last week, which is by this time next – well, I was going to say by this time next week, cyber will be ending, but it would just be technically just beginning. Um, no, I hope everyone's got their bounce-back strategy ready and they're um, you know, thinking about a nice break over Christmas and whatever, but also like – there's a lot of money being spent. There's a lot of money being taken out of wallets at the moment. So could be in for some pretty quiet uh, end of December and a pretty quiet Jan. So just hope everybody's thinking about how they're going to bounce back in you know, late Jan or early Feb. Mm, I think so too. And I think also if you are selling into the US, don't be disheartened if you don't see the US sales right now. Because yeah. the one thing we always forget is that the US buys after Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving week is next week. So Make sure that you're ready on Thanksgiving, which is the Thursday before Black Friday. My hot tip for everyone is make sure you have some sort of email or SMS strategy for the US market at a roughly about 4 to 5 p.m. next Thursday US time, because that's when they start opening their phones after they're sick of their families. 
and start thinking about buying. That's, that's what we forget here, that it's actually a holiday there. It's Thanksgiving. It's a huge deal. So they will actually shop on that day. Mm. So if you're listening and you're selling to the US, that's my hot tip for you. Good tip. Love it. All right, Paul. That's all we've got time for. We'll okay. see you next week. See you next week, Mal.